Hello. Good evening, fine gentlemen. A sacred and wonderful Sunday to you all. Praise God. Praise God. Tonight I wanted to hit on Deuteronomy 20, Deuteronomy 28, and then 1 Samuel somewhere. Copper Star, welcome, fine sir. And here's Scott with the Zulu traffic report. Well, frankly, I don't think there's much traffic at all happening in Zululand. Actually, no, they, they are in... No, they're in the middle of the night right now. Let me tell you, everyone's asleep that side. Three in the morning. The only ones out and about in Zululand are, are having a beer at the Shabin and up to no good. Let me tell you. Hope you are well, fine, sir. Good to have you on. So, you know, I was just, I was thinking, carrying on from our chat last night, I was just thinking, uh, you know, droids, automatons, uh, you are talking to kiosks <laughs> when you're talking to a normie, you know, and so often, often uh, we, we are taught, Brian Croissant, good evening, fine, sir. We are taught in our liberal upbringing to be ashamed of God's word. We are taught to be embarrassed of God's word. Andrew Graves, it's happening. Let me tell you, there better be a, a deer uh, in your freezer right now, sir. Can you confirm these facts? Can you confirm that you shot uh, a wild animal uh, with a rifle, with a bloody gun? Uh, vegetarians mad. Vegans mad. Please confirm. So we grow up as all liberal boys and we're taught to be ashamed of God's word. And it's kind of this, it's kind of this double, uh, what's what, this bipolar game that they play against us. Andrew, exactly one deal. Well, sir, I am, I congratulate you uh, on behalf of this channel. Uh, congratulations on your fine work. So we're giving the, we are given this bipolar kind of, uh, upbringing on one hand they teach us you know David and Goliath and Moses and the Red Sea and you know they teach us all these Bible stories of amazing faith of amazing expectation upon the Lord vindicating you upon the Lord providing promoting protecting upon the Lord coming through for you then you're on the other side the moment you want to have faith, the moment you want to take a risk for the Lord, the moment you want to take God at his word, it's like, oh, no, we've got to be wise. You know, ooh, we don't we don't live by faith. You know, we we've got to be wise and all this stuff. And so there's this. Wait, you told me my whole life, David and Goliath. And now I want to go and take on some giant aspirations. And you're like, ooh, ooh, let's not let's not, uh, you know, let's not be unwise. Let's not be foolish over here you know and it's a, the exact thing you know foolishness the foolishness of god is wiser than the world's wisdom you know and so you get all these people who are embarrassed of of god who are embarrassed of perhaps their own lives of faithlessness that the moment they see someone else living by faith the moment they see someone else taking god at his word they're like they they are they have to shut that shut it down guys <laughs> as it were Copper star, boog against the kiosks, engaged. Well, no, no, we ignore the kiosks. That, that is in a form of boog, a boog of ignorant, ignorance. I don't even think about you, you kiosk. <laughs> that actually would be pretty funny if someone's like spewing, 
mainstream drivel and you're just like am i speaking with a kiosk <laughs> pretty pretty based so we get to this place right where god's word has many stirring uh commandments many stirring promises that we should take to heart that we should live in faith towards right now this is not that living in faith you know you get these missionaries who who write you letters oh please give us money for the little african baby five dollars a month with a fly on their lip please we're living in faith it's not that living in faith you know i love hudson taylor uh his biography uh of his uh, missionary work in china he resolved to never ask any man for anything he would only ask God and he would trust God to move the hearts of men. And he never once asked for money. In fact, he'd go and speak, you know, he'd go back to England every so often and go and speak at packed churches. And people would be like, oh, this is amazing. Like, can we give you money? And he would, in fact, he'd be like, no, like I'm, I will not ask any man money. In fact, you should go home from this meeting and ask God what you should give him because money will alleviate the conviction on your heart. If you were to give me money, you would feel alleviated, alleviated of your conviction and you'd go away unchanged. Go home, ask God what you are to do with your life. Mind boggling, mind blowing. You know, so, so you read these books of men who live by faith. You know, I would even, I would even take a secular, <coughs> degenerate, pagan, right-wing bodybuilder kind of, uh, uh, kind of demonstration of faith. The Donald right? If you read the Donald's book, again, a man of incredible faith, not in God, but in, in his own vision, a faith in a vision of like, this is what I want to achieve. I'm going to go and do it. And it's like, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of who comes against you, you've got to have this, this, you know, as Christians, we should have even greater faith, even greater confidence, even greater balls, you know, in, in God's blessing over us, in God's direction of our steps. You know, so I really wanted to hit on that for us of this thing of let God be true and every man a liar. You know, so often we'll read something in the scripture or we'll hear something preached to us and it'll resonate in our heart. You know, this, this absolute like, oh my gosh, that scripture is a promise for me or that scripture is a command to me. Like I need to do something about this scripture. Let God be true and every man a liar. You know, this is where David David was called a man after God's heart. Why? He, who is he contrasted to? Clown Saul. So Clown Saul was told. He was given a word from God by the prophet, right? So, so in our case, it would be a word from God from the Bible. A scripture from the Bible that hits us in the heart. And we're like, man, I need to do that. Or that's a promise. I need to wait on that. Or uh, I need to, whatever it is that it, it it's a conviction comes on our heart. And we want to, we, we are spurred. We have to do something with that with that promise or that command right now Saul was given a command to wait seven days before battle so so there were 30,000 Philistines rocking up on the hills uh, they were about to be overwhelmed in battle and God said do not do not go to battle wait seven days that was the command uh, the prophet will come and offer the sacrifice and I God will defeat your enemies. That's the promise, right? So a command and a promise was given to Saul. <clears throat> and Saul folds. He folds. 
You know, the seventh day comes and Gandalf has not arrived in the south or the east. Look to the, help me tell Cain bros, look to the east. I presume it would be to the east with the sunrise. But anyway, Gandalf does not arrive. <coughs> and so Saul folds. He folds on the prom, on the, on the command. And he offers the sacrifice himself. God is displeased. And when Gandalf arrives, he says, it wasn't Gandalf, chaps. It was probably Samuel or, or Nathan. It's probably Samuel. I think it was Samuel. But Gandalf's a good picture for you here. It's probably what it looked like, right? Gandalf arrives and he's like, you fool. You absolute fool. You, you folded. You, you disobeyed God's command to you. You did not, you did not take him. You did not take God at his word. God, his promise will not will not come through to you. You have lost your throne. Another shall take your place. So, so who is the contrast? The contrast is David. David was a man after God's heart. Why? Because God told him, I will make you king. So, so the prophet again, and in our case, this would be scripture. The prophet again comes to David, anoints him with oil, smears him with oil and says, you're God's top guy. You're, you're the top guy. You're God's top guy. You're going to be his top guy. He will make you the top guy. And so this guy's like, well, there's already another top guy. Okay, I will trust. I will wait. And for years, I think it was like something like 10 or 14 years, right? He's the overlooked son in his family working the night shift in the Nebraska branch of the family business. You know, every time there's parties and hobnobs and big shots coming through town, he never gets invited to the parties because he's out running the business so everyone else can be at the party. Uh, his brothers get to go off to war and be the, hey, hot shots. They get to be the cool guys. You know, they get to go to all the cool seminars and conventions and workshops. <clears throat> and he's the errand boy. He's the package boy, you know. And in all this time, he did not grumble. His heart didn't grumble because he was like, God said, God said, God said, I'm his top guy. I don't have to worry about how. I don't have to worry about how God's promise will be fulfilled. I just need to know that it will be fulfilled and live accordingly. Live with a heart after God, toward God, so that when my time comes, boom, I'm 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 responsive. I'm responsive to God. You know, the next thing comes, he, he you know, Goliath comes up, a problem comes up, right? A problem comes up, a, an obstacle, an opposition, a whatever comes up. And again, David's like, sweet. Like, it's not me. I'm just the, you know, this is what it says in Deuteronomy 28. And it applies, it applies here to, uh, to David. <clears throat> the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will cause. So David, so David knew this, right? All he had to do was face the enemy. You know, so, so many guys are like, oh, God has promised me. God has given me a commandment. God's have promised me. But you won't face. You won't, you won't show up at the things you need to show up at. You won't, you won't stand at the things you need to stand at. You know, you won't be counted at the things you need to be counted at for God to defeat your enemies in front of your face. So David, he sees the, the giant. No one's doing anything for the giant. Fine, I will face the enemy. I will be the one who faces. Goes and faces the enemy. God delivers uh, Goliath into his hand. Everyone loves him. Oh, amazing. And he's like, wow, this is how God's going to bring me into the palace. So he comes into the palace. He, he marries the king's daughter. And it's like, oh, this is how it's going to happen. I'm going to, you know, somehow through marrying in, you know, okay, wonderful. And then God hardens Saul's heart against David. 
And David is driven out into the desert for, yeah, 10 years or something, whatever it is. <clears throat> and again, everyone's like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's this, this unimaginable setback. You know, all his family who are like, oh, our boys at Stanford or our boys in the White House or our boy, you know, like this pride of the family of like our boy is the next king. Well, now he's hunted by the IRS and the FBI and he's out, you know, and now you're being, you know, it's just like an absolute dog show. Everybody is mad with David because it's like you, you've, you've put everyone at risk, everyone at danger, you know, and now you're hanging out with 400 absolute scum of society in the desert. <clears throat> and it's in that context, again, where it's like, chaps, it's not up to me. It, it let God be true and every man a liar. It's not up to me to, to make myself come into the palace that God has promised me, right? It is a promise. We're living on a promise. There are many promises that we are trying to make happen, right? And so we see this. Why is David a man after God's heart? Because even to his own harm or humiliation, he obeys God. So the promise from God is, I will take you into the palace. I will make you king. So David comes to, uh, you know, Saul's chasing David around the desert. And Saul comes to crap in David's cave. So David and his dudes are hiding out in a pitch dark cave. Saul comes in to take a crap. And all his guys are like, it's the Lord. He has delivered clown Saul into our hands. This is it. This is the end of our wandering in the desert. This is the end of our poverty. This is the end of violence and war. This is it. This is it. This is this is our guy. It's our time. Like, oh, you, you know, you can just imagine all David's guys like almost like sobbing in relief. And we'd be like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is the end of the war. This is the end of, of tyranny. This is the end of all this crap that, you know, like, like we're living through right now, you know? And David's like, sorry, chaps, I'm, I'm not going to take by my hand the crown. I'm not going to take by my hand what has been promised to me by God's hand. And you can imagine all, all the guys are like, <coughs> you know, what, what the heck, you know, cause it, it condemns them to like three or four more years in the desert, you know, but this pleased the Lord. It pleased God that David said, I will go the harder way. I will go God's way. I will wait on God to deliver my promises to me. I will not reach with my own hand for that, which is God's to give. Now, a lot of people would take this the wrong way. and be like, oh, Scott, you're advocating for people to sit around and do nothing. It's like, no, no, no. David still worked. David still fought. He still trained. He still evaded. He, he ran. You know, he didn't just like, oh, Saul wants to kill me. Fine. You can pierce me. You can pierce me with your spear. It's like, no, he ran. He got out. He got out of the palace. He ran for his life. And then he went and, and well, he needed to live, right? So he went and became a mercenary for the Philistines. You know, and, and <clears throat> you've still got to live your life with wisdom. But when it comes to the very things that you are, there are things in your life right now, chaps, that you are, are crying out to God for. You're crying out to God for either a commandment or a promise that relates to these issues, these burning issues in your life. You've got to find, all right, Lord, what is your word to me? You know, we've got to understand that like that is the importance is like God's word is alive. Let God be true and every man a liar. That, this is what it means to be a man after God's heart. And so God takes David in, you know, the, the long way, the, the highway, the higher way. The higher way is the harder way. God takes him into the palace and he's blessed. He's a, he's a man after God's heart and he can mess up. He makes many mess ups. He, he stuffs up, but he's a man after God's heart, you know. And so because of that, God is merciful toward him. 
and God blesses him. <clears throat> and so I just really wanted to hit that for us, chaps. There's going to be things in our life where, you know, we want to take the boog into our own hands. We want to take flesh and blood into our own hands. We want to throw on the hula shirt and sort out a few things. You've got to ask the question, is this within my authority to do? You know, is this within my authority? And, and so Clown Saul was above David's authority. He was, he was another man's problem, right? Even though he was causing problems for David, life-changing problems. It's the same for us, right? The White House today, it's causing life-changing problems for us. The media today, it's causing life-changing problems for us. The bankers, the academia, you know, name, name your enemies of God who are causing absolute destruction for our lives. They are, they are God's problem. Not my zoo, not my monkeys. So we should evade them. We should, we should live wisely away from them. And, and we should not just be like, oh, here I am. Academia, take my kids. Here I am, media, pour it straight into my brain. Like, no, no, no. Like the clown Saul was an avowed enemy of David, but David did not have the authority to take the crown with his own hands. And so what I'm, I'm encouraging you guys here with, <coughs> there are many problems in our lives. There are many clowns in our lives. If these clowns are within your authority as a father or a, a husband or a business owner or a, a, an official or whatever your authority is, and there's clowns here, absolutely, the sword is for righteousness. The crown is for righteousness. But if something's above your authority, if, if you are under someone else's institutional authority, you know, that there's some huge ass institution, you're some individual, cry out to the Lord and evade, avoid, get out of the way of it and, and pray for God to, to bring vengeance, to bring justice and take you into the palace. And that's where we become men after God's heart is that we do not stress out. Thank you, baby. Praise God. We do not stress out when the media are being absolute clowns. We do not stress out when the government is being absolute clowns. Like, sure, it's stressful trying to figure out what to do next, you know, trying to figure out like, whoa, how do we survive in the desert? You know, but that's where life becomes fun. It's like, all right, Lord, you're going to bless me in the desert. You're going to bless me in the desert and you're going to take me into the promised land. You know, it's the same way with, um, with uh, Joseph and Mary, Jesus' parents, when it's like <clears throat> Herod wants to kill all the babies. So what do they do? They, they leave. They pack up and leave and they go. They go to Egypt. A similar story for us today is, is uh, Joseph, the, the son of uh, Jacob. You know, he's sold into slavery. You know, for many of us, we feel like we are slaves to certain institutions. You know, what does he do in slavery? He gives his gift. He gives his gift unto the Lord. He avoids, you know, he avoids folding. He avoids giving in to nihilism, despair, and degeneracy. And he goes hard to give his gift and, and trust in the Lord. You know, God gave him a promise through a dream. He gave him a promise, you know, that his brothers would come and bow down to him and that he would be a great man for the Lord. And he held onto that promise and he was a man after God. He didn't, he didn't just wait and be like, well, I'm just praying in the dungeon. I'm just praying in slavery. You know, he worked. He worked his gift as unto the Lord. <clears throat> Trusting, waiting for God to do what, what we cannot do, you know, in our own strength. Copper Star, 
That fly is the real missionary. <laughs> Let me tell you, how many dollars have been raised on the back of a humble fly? Uh, the Polish Hussars. Yes, very good. What was his name? Jan Sobieski. God bless. Drongo, good evening, fine sir, and welcome. Anyway, so I just wanted to encourage you guys. Let me read us. Let me read us some some promises and uh, commandments for us. So this is from Deuteronomy twenty, um, and I love it. I had some I had some random kiosk on Twitter today pushing back, basically uh, against post millennialism and how you know us post millennialist type guys, Dominion type guys, who you know we replace anywhere the Bible talks about Israel. We're like, oh, God's talking about the church. You know, Israel, the church is the new chosen people. We are the new chosen people. That's that's how it is, folks. Don't, you know, don't at me, at God. <laughs> you know, it's great. So again, you can read Deuteronomy now with this like amazing, like, whoa, no S. No S, no S. <clears throat> Principles governing warfare, Deuteronomy 20. When you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you who brought you up from the land of Egypt. So again, so much of this is like, you know, it's where we find ourselves today, you know, supposedly outnumbered, you know, all of these kiosks, all of these institutions, all of these clowns, you know, and their fancy chariots, their fancy institutions and uh, legal powers and banking capital and media psyops and, you know, and God just says, do not be afraid of them for the Lord your God is with you who brought you up from the land of, of Egypt, which is the land of slavery. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just so rich. So it shall be when you are on the verge of battle that the priest shall approach and speak to the people. And he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid and do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. You know, and this is a, a theology that like, you know, I'm sure the kiosk that was arguing with me was like, oh, you want to go and boog. You're calling for Christians to go and boog and, and war language. And oh, my gosh. And it's like, lady, fourth generation or fifth generation warfare, whatever we're in. It's like <clears throat> we're so we're so far into hot fourth generation war right now that it's like, you know, they are so, you know, everyone. Everyone who thinks it's the picking up of a gun, it's like the, the picking up of a gun is the end game in politics, you know, but right now we're, we are thick in the midst of institutional warfare, of mimetic warfare, of cultural warfare, you know, and it's like, you need to understand this, this call, you know, the men who aren't fighting are the ones who aren't ruling their families, are the ones who aren't ruling their local economies and protecting where their money goes, you know, are the, are the ones who aren't gatekeeping and building their own institutions and avoiding enemy institutions it's like there are a bunch of dudes who, who aren't fighting you know because they don't think there's a war like well the shooting hasn't started and it's like <coughs> chaps we you know you look at South africa we might never get might never we might never get to shooting you know and it's it's increasingly true that you know the more armed uh people are the the less likely there is to be a war you know people don't want because they know they'll be beaten in a hot hot armed war so it's all it's banking it's getting people in debt. It's academia, it, you know, to, to be like, all right, Christian boys, be nice, accept everyone. Don't get into politics. Just love everyone, Christian boys. 
You know, it's there's so many aspects of war that is, you know, even our agricultural, our agricultural industry is war. We're absolutely destroying the land, soil, destroying water and aquifers, destroying, you know, just natural resources that, you know, are an inheritance uh, to our children's children. It's like, what are they going to inherit is, is a poisoned, uh, desolate, you know, and it's like, that's war. It's war. You know, the, the, the corporate war on small town America is through, through soil and economy, you know, and chemicals, you know, the food industry, that's war. It's all, it's all war. You know, if you don't see it, <clears throat> then you're not going to make it. Not going to make it, frankly. <clears throat> for the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. How do we fight? How do we engage battle? It's family. Build family. Be patriarchal. Have a patriarchal marriage. Have patriarchal uh, fatherly authority of your children. Raise them to fear the Lord in the way that they should go and they will not depart from it. Have as many children as you can. The future belongs to those who show up. Children are a blessing. They're not a burden. Man, my wife hit an idol today on Instagram. She reposted some lady's thing about, about having uh, children in her late 30s. And, you know, praise God, that's a wonderful testimony for us who are still hoping for children. But that's not the norm. We shouldn't normalize that. God's ways, God's norms are for girls to, to get married young in their, in their late teens and, and have, you know, 10 children by the time they're 30, praise God, you know, be home homemakers and help meets to their husband. Like, praise God. What a wonderful thing, you know, and just the absolute pushback that my wife got like, <laughs> you know, for, because the idol of feminism is that children are a burden is that, um, husbands are a burden, you know, that, Oh, to be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like self actualized. You have to have, be a boss babe or a ministry babe, you know? I'm working on my career. God burn into the ground. White student, welcome, fine sir. When reading about those who speak with a forked tongue, I think of the radicals who make duplicitous statements by flipping back and forth from plain English to legalese and also redefining terms. Dude, hugely, hugely. You know, you look at, at dictionaries from like 50, 60 years ago, 100 years ago, words have different meanings than they do today. You know, words are constantly being redefined and yeah, snaked around and legalese and blah, 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 all this stuff, you know. Um, <clears throat> and then anything we say is, oh, so you mean this? You know, it's like, it's like for instance, uh, love your people, love your place. Oh, so you mean you hate other people? And it's like, I didn't say anything about other people, you know, but it's like, so you mean you hate, you hate everyone else? You know, it's like, I love my wife. So you hate other women? You know, it, it's, it's this this constant flipping of things, you know, and then it's the same for them of like, they'll say something like we hate white people and he'll be like, wait, 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 you hate white. It's like, Oh, he, he didn't say that. He was just saying whiteness. He hates whiteness, not white people. You know, it's whiteness, you know, and they'll always like obfuscate and muddy the water and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, it's a bunch of, bunch of trash. Copper star. The boog is to raise the boys who may have to pick up the rifle. That's quite a, that's quite astute. W laser. Welcome. Fine, sir. Good to have you on. Alrighty, let me carry on. Oh yeah, so it is God who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. So what is our fight? Family, raising raising the next generation, economy, right? It's a fight. 
to 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 rebuild a local economy when this globalist vacuum is just vacuuming everything out of of small towns you know it's a fight to uh yeah to get through all these legalese and tax codes and uh permits and licenses and lockdowns and uh rioting and you know all this kind of stuff it's like you have to have god with you you have to have god with you to fight these things and then institutions you know academia media uh, advocacy, govern, governance, bureaucracy, all of this kind of stuff. It's like, chaps, God goes with us, you know, because I think that's something that so many dudes get so blackpilled. They're like, why even try? Why even try? <coughs> and that's why libertarianism is so appealing to us. Of like, I'm just going to escape, escape to video games, escape to some white rural area uh, and just live my life out in nihilistic escapism. Whereas like for us, it's like, we build, we build and you've got to, you know, uh, Psalm 127 or 28, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. You know, we need to be asking God, like, God, what do you want me to go and build on? What is your great task for me? Well, what are a few great tasks for me? I'm going to go and do this. And that's when you then become a man after God's heart, because all of the kiosks in the world are going to come against you and be like, come down from this embarrassing thing. And you're like, nope. I'm a man after God's heart. I will not come down. I have a great work to accomplish. I will not come down. I'm a man after God's heart. Even, uh, even to my own harm or humiliation, I'm a man after God's heart. I will do what God has promised and what God has commanded. <clears throat> and then I just want to go on a little bit more here because this is very, very interesting. The officers shall speak further to the people and say, what man is there who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return to his house, lest the heart of his brethren faint like his heart. Man, we have got to cut cowards out. We have got to cut soft conservatives and Christians out of our lives. Why? Because their cowardice infects. You know, if you if you go somewhere with a friend who who is just straight faced, not even like courageous or anything, but just straight faced, doesn't show any emotional fear. All of a sudden, both of you, if you're just straight face, don't show emotion, you become super bold. You become bold at asking people, making demands. You become bold at going to places. Oh, I don't know if we can go there. Well, there's two of us now. Let's go there. And it's like, as long as you're both confident, it's like, yeah, we're both confident. And your confidence carries the day. But the moment, like, you know, if you go somewhere with your friend, you're like, hey, let's go check out, you know, you go to like some place that's like prohibited or like staff only or whatever. And it's like, no, let's go. Let's go check it out. And your friend's like, I, I don't know. Like, well, what if we get caught? Or like, and now you're like, and it's like, what's happening is someone who is faint of heart is now infecting your decision-making process. Because even if you're 100% solid, ride or die, like, no, we're going to go there. Now you've got this guy who's limp dick coming along and he's going to draw suspicion and he's going to fold and he's going to cave on you, you know, and probably like, you know, hey, what are you doing here? Yeah, I told him not to be here. I told him, oh my gosh, arrest us. You know, it's like, you can't, you can't take cowards with you. you. We cannot take cowards with us. You know, it's that whole thing of, of traitors are worse than enemies. You know, that's why for me, it's like, you know, so many conservatives, grifters, they are worse than our enemies because they're cowards. You know, and it's like, you've got to cut them out of your life. What man is there who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return to his house lest the heart of his brothers faint like his heart. And so it shall be when the officers have finished speaking to the people and they shall make captains of the armies to lead the people. You know, it's, it's even with churches. 
don't go to a church where the main guy's a coward, where he's a coward to speak out on cultural crap, where he's a coward to even just shoot straight, speak the truth. <clears throat> because it will affect you. It will affect you, you know. I never understood like, you know, playing computer games like Rome Total War or whatever. You know, whenever a unit would route, would would break, fold and, and run away from a battle. You know, and you even hear like stories in history of like absolute massacres. You know, when, a, when an army turns and breaks and routes, you know, you then press the advantage and absolutely massacre guys. And it's like, wait, these guys were fighting at an attrition rate of like 1.1 1, 1 to 1. You know, it was an even just grand and, and man, like this is an even battle. We don't know who wins. The moment one folds, whoa, it's just like absolute, absolute crushing. And it's like, why? It's because like one person lost heart. One person lost heart and just the spirit of fear just poof, across the whole army and, and everyone dies. Everyone, everyone dies. You know, it's the same in our spiritual life, our economic life, our emotional life, our family life, our institutional life cowards cannot cowards cannot uh be condoned or be what do you call it like when you um tolerated cowards cannot be tolerated rather have less men who are ride or die than a bunch of people like oh look how many soldiers we have look how many members we have look how many people we have and it's like half of them have already turned in their heart and are running away and then down in verse 14 um, so it's talking about when you, when you siege, besiege cities and take them, uh, but the woman, the little ones and the livestock and all that is in the city, all its spoil, you shall plunder for yourself and you shall eat the enemy's plunder, which the Lord, your God gives you. Thus shall you do to all the cities, which are very far from you, which are not of the cities of these nations. You know, this whole thing of plunder, you know, we have to have, we have to have this mindset of getting all we can get from clown world. You know, don't be, you know, don't be, a, oh, well, you know, you've got to treat them like I would want to be treated and, you know, like, oh, got to be gentlemen, you know, and, and it's like, no, there's, there's two sets of rules, chaps, friend, enemy, friend, enemy, you know, you plunder your enemies and you build your friends. Un-Canadian, welcome, fine, sir. Blessed in the city, blessed in the desert, my man, hashtag blessed. So, praise God. Why, student, those who fence it result in sabotaging us and disadvantaging us. Yeah. And remember, chaps, like that is exactly it. They, they're not our they're not our audience. Our audience is men who are patriarchs. You know, again, like our audience is not democracy and trying to get the most people we can to believe what we believe. No, we just want the people who are in institutional power, all of these, these institutions scaling up to fear the Lord and walk in his ways and wield the sword for righteousness. That's all we want, you know? And when you realize that, you're like, whoa. Like, no way, it's all the pressure is off, right? Not my, dro not my droids, not my kiosks, you know? They're God's problem, you know, not my problem. And, and our, our focus, you know, is an incredibly small number of people in power. You know, you look at, it's why like small numbers of, of men have always changed the courses of history. Just small numbers of men who are right or die, who are, are convicted about what God has told them to do. And then they take God at his word and are men after God's heart, even to their own harm or humiliation. This is where we're going. This is what we're going to do. And, and the, 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 the spirit of the normies changes like this. You know, the moment they smell fear and the moment they smell a changing of the winds, uh, you've won. 
you know, it's a total, a total changeover. But it comes from years of being in the desert with absolute conviction, absolute confidence that regardless of our circumstances, regardless of how bad our slavery, regardless of how bad uh, the situation is, that God will lead us into the palace. <clears throat> All right. Hashtag blessed, y'all. Deuteronomy 28. Now it shall come to pass. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in Blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body and in the increase of your livestock and in the produce of your ground and the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not be beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today and are careful to observe them. So you shall not turn aside from any of these words, which I command you this day to the right or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. Praise God. And inshallah. Indeed. Well, praise God, gentlemen. That was a fun, a fun little, uh, fun little reminder to us to be men after God's heart, you know, and, and I'd even say like, you know, write down in your notebook or, or in your phone notes or whatever, but it's like, all right, what are, you know, what are the main problems or concerns in my life right now? God, would you give me a scripture? Would you give me a command of like, what are God's, what are scriptures for these things that, that relate to this topic or this kind of thing? Chaps, we have to get real about being men after God's heart, being men after, after God's word. Uh, there's a chap by the name of Chris Black, but he, he says this profound thing. He says, God's love language is to be taken at his word. You know, when we take God at his word, you know, that is, that is, what does it mean uh, to be pleasing to God? It's like, by faith, this is what I believe. By faith, let it be to me according to your word. You know, by faith, let God be true in every context, every kiosk, every clown, a liar. So praise God, gentlemen. Have a wonderful night and we'll see you all tomorrow uh, and we shall be in good spirits and uh, we shall wrestle some jimmies. Eh? God bless you gentlemen and have a good night.